you do? Pleased to meet you. Fine, how are you? Nice seeing you. How you come on? How to do? Pretty good show is your boy. Pretty good show is your boy. Pretty good show is your boy. How do you do? Not a pleasant meeting. How do you do? Same way to meet. How do you do? With everyone beating. Pretty good show is your boy. What goes up the show to come down? Lost his belly found. How do you do? And you how to back a little bit of this and a little bit of that. How do you do? Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good to see you. How you come on? Howdy! Pretty good show is your mom. Stop jumping around, you'll run out of breath. Why don't you sit back and calm yourself? You can carry on now if you must. We'll do what we like, cuz. How do you do? Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 167, recorded on January 26, 2023. We are your hosts, Guy, Tim, and Bub. On tonight's episode, we bid a final farewell to Brer Rabbit, Fox, and Bear, and take one last drop into the Briar Patch, because Splash Mountain's plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan. It spun in. There were no survivors. Tim, what do we got for news this week? Couple quick stories this week. Um, Woody's Roundup, or sorry, Rodeo Roundup Barbecue in Hollywood Studios officially has an opening date. Uh, March 23rd, the new family style barbecue restaurant will open. Uh, the full menu was put out by Disney Parks blog, and I'll be honest, uh, really looks good. Might be, depending on the, how the food reviews come in, the m- best family style meal on property or at least in the parks at a park that really sorely needs more table service restaurants for how popular uh, Hollywood Studios is these days with uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad, uh, Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So it looks like a very welcome addition to that park. Uh, also in parks news, uh, starting oh, actually started uh, on the day we normally would have recorded, uh, the Skyliner is closed. It'll be closed through this weekend for uh, its annual January refurbishment, getting those cables tight, those uh, pulley wheels oiled, but not really a big deal if you're listening to this because that means you're probably not in the parks right now. And if you're in the parks right now, you know that it was closed this week. Uh, other than that, uh, Disney really cleaned up in Oscar nominations. Uh, this is less and less surprising each year just with how much percentage-wise of uh the the you know the domestic film market disney controls uh i'm not going to go through all of them we'd be here for an hour but uh they basically got nominated in every category uh personally i think pretty interesting thing about this uh set of oscar nominations was uh, avatar way of water and uh top gun obviously not a disney movie both being nominated for best picture kind of harkening back to a bygone era where these big blockbuster fun movies uh, are also technically and artistically well done enough to uh, be nominated for that top award. Uh, Other than that, uh, I like to kind of rib Guy on this show and tell him how wrong he is about a lot of things. But day by day, more and more is looking like Guy is probably very, very right about one thing, and that is the Star Cruiser over there in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, we were getting starting reports two weeks ago about uh, voyages during kind of peak times uh, being canceled, guests being refunded with like an additional 50 percent credit towards a future voyage or a future Disney trip. Uh, the reason officially 
previously given was a refurbishment, but there had been no announcement of a refurbishment. And it seems like a very strange time to do a refurbishment. Uh, and then shortly after that, it was announced um, that going forward, there's a deal where if you book a Star Cruiser Voyage, there are still no discounts on those. But there are very steep discounts on um, hotel stays before and after your Star Cruiser Voyage, up to $700 off if you stay in a deluxe before or after your Star Cruiser Voyage. I mean, this is really a discount on Star Cruiser without saying it's a discount on Star Cruiser. Uh, and if you look at the the calendar for Star Cruiser right now, it, it, you could pretty much grab whatever date you wanted. Uh, all this to me, in my non-expert amateur Disney analyst opinion, really, really does add up to uh, a, 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 a big marquee VIP experience that's not doing too hot and, and is a boatload of trouble. Uh, and also an experience that if they scale it back for cost-cutting reasons, cut the dedicated cast members to it, cut back the food, cut back the entertainment, uh, it's just going to be a spiral that I don't think they can ever correct out of since that is such a premium experience and cutting any of those things is going to make it less premium. Uh, I'll start with Guy. Uh, what do you think of my analysis? It, am I correct? Is the Star Cruiser in trouble? And if it was up to you, what would you do to kind of try to right this ship? I mean, honestly, I keep I think you keep the Star Cruiser up for another six months or so. I think you should announce an ending date if if they do decide to end it, make it public, like tell people, hey, this is it. If you want to go, now's the time to go. At the end of the day, you could retheme it as just a completely normal hotel that has a park entrance to Hollywood Studios, and you're gonna get seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a night anyways. They're never going to lose money on it. I think the premium experience is a good idea, but you'd have to reshuffle it every two years. And how many, I mean, obviously it seems like with the amount of movies and TV shows there are, it seems like the stories are endless, but like how many unique storylines are you going to be able to create in a hotel and keep the same fan coming back over and over and over again? I think this was, it. it's easy to look at it as kind of a semi-failure now. I don't think so at all. At the end of the day, I think they got a premium located hotel that they're never not going to be able to fill. And they had a great experience for the time being, you know, and the people who do it now will always be able to say, hey, I did it, you know, back when that was the Star Wars hotel, you know, so I don't think it's a, a lose at all for Disney. Bob, I, I texted you guys earlier in the day and I told you I didn't know which way I was going to go tonight. Was it going to be happy-go-lucky, Bub, a guy that's been on the show for the last few months, you've been having a good time, or was it going to be angry, Bub? Was it going to be cynical, Bub? The, the Bub we all know and love from episodes 1 through 25, when I was angry and yelled at Drew every episode and fought Jay. And it's going to be somewhere in the middle because this is absolutely a failure. They misjudged the market entirely. Granted, I don't think COVID helped matters legitimately, but they misjudged this market entirely. I, I don't know that you can just make this a deluxe resort hotel for $700 a night based on location only. It is so hyper-specifically themed to Star Wars. This isn't not finished property at Pop Century that turned into Art of Animation. Art of animation. This is an entirely secluded space that is designed as a luxury star cruiser in the Star Wars universe. I'm not saying to write it off, because at this point, much like Kramer, I don't even know what a write-off is. So 
but they're the ones writing it off at this point. Um, to me, the best use of this property at this point, and I don't know how you would do it. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a designer. I don't know. Is this would be where I put the escape room idea and just have a really nice escape room concept because for the life of me, and I don't know, Tim, that me and you were or were ever bullish on this idea. We thought that a year or two would go by and you'd have to refer, but you'd have to update the storyline because it was only going to cater to so many people, even on initial from go. And as great as it was compared to the, I think, previews, I think it was for the people that went a very unique concept. But to me, not to say it's a write off. At this point, you've got to figure something out because that was an expensive proposition that you just randomly built and now is just sitting there basically half empty. And now it's a less than experience for uh, a marginal discount. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Bob. A, a, as easy as the answer guy gave um, is turning it into this Star Wars themed deluxe that's a walk on into Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I have actually been backstage, completely unrelated. Uh, it, it was a weird situation where uh, a cast member was driving us through the back part of the park and have seen how this uh, property is in relation to Hollywood Studios. And first of all, other than the, the portico uh, where you arrive and your luggage goes in, uh, all sides of this building are not finished uh, in any kind of a way that uh, is acceptable for any public-facing building. It, it, it's bare slab concrete, uh, no surface treatments. Uh, additionally, there's no landscaping around it. And other than that portico entrance, um, if, if you were to allow people outside of this hotel, they would have um, really magic-breaking views that Disney would ever, never, never allow uh, for general guests, both of the access service roads on one side of the hotel and the other side looking directly into the superstructure, the concrete, fiberglass, and steel superstructure of the Force Perspective Mountains that ring at Galaxy's Edge, completely breaking the, the illusion of that entire side of um, Hollywood Studios. Additionally, there are so few rooms in this thing. I don't know off the top of my head. I think it's 60. It is That's a ridiculously low number of rooms and no windows. So it works for a two and a half day stay where, um, you know, but you, you couldn't book a week of, of being in windowless rooms. Additionally, it's a huge building, most of which is devoted to the interactive and, and on stage parts of it. So I guess you could retheme that stuff to the escape rooms. But now you have people staying in this very expensive deluxe with no uh, exterior views that you can't go outside other than the quote unquote outside area that's in the center of it. That's like this little like a patio, I assume in case there's guests who smoke so that they're not like completely trapped without a way to smoke a cigarette for the, the like their star cruiser stay. That would also really be the only exterior space. And then if you introduce the escape room element, well, now you have people tromping in and out uh, for this add-on to their Hollywood Studios day, um, it you know through through your hotel in areas that are intrinsically connected into the guest areas due to the onstage nature of the whole Star Cruiser experience. At this point, I think they their best bet is to let this current show run its course and then 
re-theme it into a less premium show, maybe a day show, maybe offer different length experience, capping out at the the experience that they have now, but in a way that has less cast members, less extravagant food and entertainment, and uh, charge a lower price for it. But yeah, I think they're in a really bad spot with this. And I mean, I think if they keep going as they are, though, it's just throwing uh, good money after bad. Um, yeah, kind of a rough situation for a company that's trying to really write its balance sheet right now uh, in a lot of ways, but also kind of restore some of the uh, missing experiences at the parks that were taken away during the previous uh, administration and, and under COVID. Uh, other than that, the only other news story this week is as we record on Thursday evening, uh, media previews for Disney 100 at Disneyland are going on. So I think we'll cover that probably a little bit more next week. A lot of merch for this. Uh, actually, surprisingly, not like the 50th, tons of merch, tons of it, very, very unique and cool. Um, and uh all in the parks, unlike the 50th, where it was spread across, you know, Amazon and Target, Shop Disney and the parks uh, and a lot of cool food and stuff. Interesting to see how much of that Disney 100 stuff makes its way over here to the East Coast. Uh, I don't plan on going out to Disneyland for it. So hopefully us East Coasters do also get to experience it. Uh, but a little bit of disappointment, too. Uh following a little bit of the media coverage, it just seems like so much of the stuff that's being pushed at Disneyland as part of Disney 100 is just things that already existed prior to COVID, prior to the JPEG cutbacks, now being lauded as, uh, you know, uh, a gift to fans as part of uh, Disney 100. So that that doesn't sit quite, uh, quite awesome with me. But uh, I'm sure we'll have more Disney 100 coverage next week and, and as this year goes on. Uh, and with that, we're kind of on to the biggest story since we just last recorded and our main topic, Splash Mountain is closed. The last flume has been hooked down into the briar patch. Yeah, Tim, it's bittersweet when you think about this attraction in particular. It was probably the height of Michael Eisner and his vision for the parks. He took... If you want to trace it back, I don't think this is a history lesson. We recorded an episode two and a half years ago where we went through the history of America Sings at Disneyland and replacing the moving the the animatronics after that show closed in nineteen after nineteen seventy six to Splash Mountain and then it be, and then coming here and and kind of so I don't want to get into that. Go, I think it was episode sixty six. Uh, it, it was a while ago that we did that, so I don't really want to get into too much of that. But a, a brief. This was, to me, the crowning achievement of the mid-90s, or the late 80s, early 90s, and then uh, Imagineering as a whole. This ride had everything. It's a basic flume, which I think everybody understands that concept. It's, it's at every theme park and amusement park you've ever gone to. There's a waterlog flume. It's fantastic. It's a great concept. But this just told such a great story. From beginning to end, it it was it wasn't so much Song of the South as much as it was extrapolating those those animated characters into a setting that fit the story. They adjusted some things that were unsavory, Tim, as we've talked about in the past. But to me, this was always more about a great experience the whole family could enjoy because there's very few people 
that can't go on a flume ride or don't enjoy a good flume ride and and taking it to 10. This was for me uh, when I first went to Disney in 1992. This ride wasn't open yet and it, it was being built. And this is when the railroad still kind of went in front of it. They haven't even hadn't even moved the railroad yet to to the new station behind the mountain. And I remember saying, oh, my God, that is going to be incredible. The music, which I think you've heard earlier and you'll hear a little later on, spoke to a lot of people differently, as we've learned uh, over the course of the last 35 years. Um, I think what gets lost is you have very obscure characters that are very controversial to certain people. And I, it's one of those things where, and a guy has said it before, if it makes one person uncomfortable in a place like Disney World, then all right, fine. I want to be clear about Splash Mountain and the people that are flipping out about Splash Mountain closing because there's two dynamic forces at play. There's the quote-unquote woke mob here that wants it gone because of the racial undertones of Song of the South. Okay, fine. There's another mob over here that is the anti-woke mob that is mad that they're replacing characters that have to do with slavery and racism any way you slice it, and they're mad that those characters are coming out of the park. I, I would like to think we're somewhere in the middle with it. And I just want to say, I think, especially in the last two weeks or so, there's been a third thing that I think has become the biggest issue, and that is mm-hmm. the non-enthusiast media, the not Disney Parks media. Correct. Even even the, like, clickbaitiest of clickbait sites that yeah. we don't usually say the name of on this website, but if you have ever been to Disney World, your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed is full of crap suggested from these sites that thrive on search engine observation, but also like the good Disney media, your allyears.net, your Disney food blogs, all those. For the most part, all of that media is reporting on it from their, you know, understanding whether they're pro it getting replaced or sad that it's going, whatever. The big issue we've seen the last couple of weeks is now because this is such an iconic theme park ride in the world, we're now seeing your CNNs, your Fox News, your MSNBC start to cover it. And they're doing such a bad job right. that like people at work who are not big Disney people, but know I have a Disney podcast or are planning mm-hmm. on Disney, think that they're going to implode Splash Mountain like an old so, Vegas casino and right. eventually build some sort of a Tiana ride on its on its. Uh, you know, right. concrete pad where it was imploded. I, I think that the fact that this has become a news story because of the fact that the enthusiast media has turned it into such an ideological thing and it, it's been picked up on on by that angle. And, and there's so much misinformation I've seen leading up right. to its closure by people who just don't know the facts of the situation in any way, shape or form. Well, it's funny you say that because there's two things that I think are the most important takeaways from tonight before we get into, I think, our personal feelings and how we feel about the attraction. And we'll, we will miss it, I'm sure. We'll miss the characters. But I think all three of us are looking forward to what they do with Princess and the Frog. One thing for me is, and I can't stress this enough, Splash Mountain structurally is going nowhere. It's just, it's going to be the same ride in two years when it opens or two and a half years when it reopens. It's just going to be different scenes. To me... The characters help tell the story, but I so much love Princess Tiana and the characters of Princess and the Frog that I can see past that. And I think the other thing, and and this gets lost a lot in our very hyper down the middle, you're either with us or against us. It's okay to be upset 
that those characters are leaving the ride, and it's okay to be looking forward to Princess Tiana, Prince Naveen, and Lewis. And I know it's very hard to be moderately thinking in this world. It's okay to be both of those things. I am devastated that those three characters and the Br'er family of characters aren't going to be in the attraction anymore. But I cannot wait to see how they incorporate what I consider the best Disney movie of the last 20 years in Princess and the Frog into that ride. Guy, am I wrong for saying you can be both in this instance? No, I completely agree. I think... I think to say that you don't feel both ways is completely disingenuous, honestly. The people who are so far like, get rid of it, bury it, there's no good redeeming qualities about it whatsoever. I think those people are full of crap, honestly. But again, and not to harper on like the same thing that you guys have both touched on, at the end of the day, when you're looking at an historical movie like Song of the South is, there's like a Blazing Saddles way to look at it, and then there's the way that Song of the South is. Now, if you talk to anybody who loves comedy films and they've mentioned Blazing Saddles, they'll tell you all the reasons why the movie's great. And then they'll say, well, you know, you can never make that movie, you know, today because of all the racist language that's in it. But when you think about it, it's like, what do you love about Blazing Saddles? Because for me, it's certainly not the language. It's a satire on the whitewashing of those movies of the generation. Whereas in Song of the South is just, all the racist tropes that existed in that time period are represented in that film. And that's why that film's, you know, a piece of shit, honestly, as uneloquently as that sounds. That's really the point of it. It's just there's no redeeming qualities of that movie whatsoever. It's it was a movie of its time and that time has passed. And, you know, we don't have to subject people who would be offended by that movie to it anymore. And, you know, it's something else we've touched on on this ride a hundred times, too. It's like the last time there was a refurbishment on this ride was 2011. And it needs a refurbishment bad. And I don't know if Disney did this on purpose, but for the last couple of years, ever since that they announced that this was happening, the ride has gotten like just more run down, worse and worse and worse. And it's kind of tainted my view of the ride. Not anything to do with the controversy. It's just... It doesn't, it was not a Disney level ride. It wasn't even a Six Flags level ride. It was like below that. It was something you would expect from a really low tier amusement park. They really let it go. So unless you had that built in nostalgia like I did forever, I mean, the ride kind of sucked. Half the animatronics wouldn't work. And for me, it was just like, I just want to get to the vultures. And that's the part of the ride that I'm going to get to enjoy is. It's just the five to ten seconds you get with them, and then there's the big drop, and then you're waiting to get off the ride again. I I think Um, the letting it go to seed and the shabbiness, though, I think part of it was this announcement was made, so Disney was not going to sink money into fixing it. But I think some of it is just could not be fixed. I mean, Bub touched on it. These animatronics, the majority of them were harvested from America Sings, an attraction from the 1970s and 80s. And these are the oldest true audio animatronics in the park. And we are now like five generations past them as far as the animatronics go. So some of these were probably breaking and weren't able to be fixed simply because the parts, the expertise to fix such old ailing animatronics didn't even exist anymore. Um, So I, I think I think that's part of it. I agree with you, Guy, 100 percent. 
Like the ride has just gotten worse and worse, not just over the last two years, probably over the last five years. You know, so many things that don't move anymore. So many sounds that aren't, you know, there. lines that aren't spoken by the characters anymore. The boats sinking, the water being gross, the filtration being messed up. So many issues with this ride, which I mean, we're, we're all going to get into our personal histories with this ride. But I, I mean, I think I'm not going to, you know, speak at a turn of ice. This was all a huge ride for all three of us at, at you know, for most of our, our Disney lives. Uh, and it was just in sorry, sorry condition. So even if this thing wasn't going to be transformed, it needed to close for two and a half years anyway and have a top to bottom refurb. But why are you going to sink that capital into a, a ride based on a movie that no one who is a core target audience of the Disney parks has ever been able to see in any form other than bootlegs. And if this ride, as Guy said a couple weeks ago, if it makes one person feel less welcome at the freaking Magic Kingdom, then why are we preserving it? it? Even if in some parts of our lives, it's okay to, you know, have entertainment be challenging or, or edgy or, or not be for everyone, there's no place for that in the Magic Kingdom. The only thing that should be exclusionary in the Magic Kingdom is ride height safety requirements. Otherwise, everything should not be anything but happy and welcoming and inspiring and amazing. And 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 if the existence of, of the mythology associated with this ride makes even one guest feel that they are less welcome in this park, then it needs to go. Then if you were going to have to shut it down and refurb it for an extended period anyway, then you might as well make it into a property that for many, many people, I mean, Disney didn't go Prince of the Frog because that was the woke choice. The The Nielsen streaming numbers came out today and the, the, the Disney renaissance for the current generation of, uh, you know, older Gen Z, their kids and younger millennials is Princess of the Frog, um, Tangled, Moana. Those are the movies that make Disney money and residuals now. So the fact that Princess of the Frog had no representation in the parks and is simply one of the most popular Disney movies is just crazy. So it's the perfect property to attach to this because it's the one most associated with water other than Moana, which is already getting its own water-based attraction at Epcot. You, ha you couldn't help yourself, could you? We were having such a fun time waxing poetic about Splash Mountain, and you had to bring up Osmosis Jones over there at Epcot. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks a real lot. Um, I, I think, guys, what, what is lost in this, though, is the people that... And let's get over the people. Just the general idea that, well, why not give it its own attraction? Well, well... God, where's it going then? Where, where are you putting? You're losing something to gain Princess and the Frog. Are, are you gonna put? You can take out Peter Pan's flight and make that the Princess and the Frog ride because that would be equally as uninspiring to these people. Like I, I don't understand the people that say, "Well, they could put it anywhere." Where are they putting it? Where would they have put it? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm ruining the show. I'm, I'm laughing to myself. I'm thinking maybe, <laughs> maybe that would be. What is behind Big Thunder Mountain? Maybe it would be the Tiana ride. Maybe that's where they would put it. Maybe that's, no, you're that's where it is. You're absolutely right. No matter what you do, and this is another thing I've seen a lot with like 
the the Disney people. I know we want to get away from that conversation, but it's just like all these people who like like just fabricate what history is where they're like, were people outraged when Mr. Toad's wild ride went away? It's like, yes, people, yeah, people were rioted when Mr. To Toad's song. wild ride went away. Disney fans yeah. are attached to everything, no matter how small it is a huge deal to take anything out and splash mountain. Yes. Super iconic and always will be. But again, we've talked about it again a hundred times. It's this going to be the same ride, except it's going to have an awesome new re-theme right. and storytelling. Like, I don't know. I'm so much more excited for what this new ride is going to be mm -hmm. than to ride Splash Mountain for the 37th time. And I'm sure it's been a lot more than that. Just the same ride. Like, I wish they would do this honestly more often. They should re-theme stuff right. kind of going forward. Like, even... I don't know. Maybe that's too far of a stretch. I mean, the, the closest the closest allegory to this was Maelstrom, which had less of the culture war outcry. So it was much quieter. But among the Disney parks hardcore, there were so many people who were so upset when that ride was being rethemed to Frozen because it represented a, a, a change in the guard, a changing of philosophy at Epcot that a lot of people had problems with. Mm -hmm. But to this day. That is one of Epcot, a ride that used to be a, a walk on a 20 minute wait in the summer. Like it was not a hard ride to get on is now a individual lightning lane, a hour plus standby off often the longest wait in the park unless test track is breaking down and that has caused the standby line to swell. But I mean, it is. A, a, a huge hit by all accounts. And this is, I assume, going to be a very similar Rethi where it's it's new animatronics going in, the same ride path, the same ride system, maybe hopefully new ride vehicles because the boats are in sorry shape on uh, on Splash Mountain. But I, I, I think five years after it reopens, no one's going to remember any of this. This two years of save Splash Mountain, this two years of debate of, of, of people going back and forth, I think what ends up coming out of this more likely than not is just a new uh, epic favorite ride for, for people to, to love for generations and generations. You know, guy, you said something about Splash Mountain being iconic and I, I don't disagree. I, I actually agree wholeheartedly for me personally. It, it is probably my favorite of the mountains in, in Walt Disney world. Uh, with the exception of maybe Everest, if you're including Everest, I really do go hard for uh, for Everest. But for me, you could argue this is the least iconic of the Magic Kingdom mountains. I don't know that I'm speaking out of turn when I say, in terms of legacy and time served, Space Mountain and Thunder Mountain are the two bigger mountains in Magic Kingdom. I don't know. I think if you if you were to show a picture of Space Mountain or Splash Mountain to a hundred random people, I think that Splash Mountain has more record. Um, I would take that bet. I would take that bet every day, and we're doing it. Let's find a hundred people. Maybe not our listeners, but other people. That's fine. <laughs> I, I don't know, Bob. I, I got to side with Guy here. I think um, if you if you bump into a random person at the grocery store. In, in their late 20s or 30s, who, and you say, have you been to Disney World? And they're, first of all, they're going to just think Disney World is the Magic Kingdom. And two, Ooh, they're going to be like, I went question. there once. I went on Splash Mountain. You give me images. I guarantee 
more people know Space Mountain than they do Splash Mountain. Give me the pictures. That's it. Sure. No context. On pictures alone, yes, but I mean, Space Mountain is a very famous building architecturally. It's very right. iconic. But right. if you talk about people's lived experiences, I do think oh, yeah. for yeah, sure. millennials that Splash Mountain is the most iconic theme park attraction in the world, point blank, period. We have no way to test this hypothesis, but I'm going to challenge it. But we don't really have an official challenge here. I don't know. I digress. At the end of the day, but the ride isn't going away. But the ride isn't going away. That's the beauty of it. So let's move on to a game I like to call, Did We F That Up? And hear me out on this. This is we're, I'm playing the role of Disney. Did we F that up? And you guys can be the judge and jury. We went from World of Motion to Test Track. Did we F that up? No. Yes. Absolutely. I knew Tim would say yes. All right. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Here's one. Here's one. Living Seas, we made the Seas of Nemo, friends. Did we F that up? No. No. Okay. Universe of Energy to Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, I'm excluding Ellen's Energy Adventure because, yes, they F that one up. But Universe of Energy to Guardians of the Galaxy. Did they F that one up, guys? No. Oh, God, no. Right. Horizons and Mission Space, I, I think they did. But at the end of the day, Horizons was sinking into the swamp, so we can't really count. Horizons was on a choice. No, they had to. Structurally, yeah. it was unsafe. Yeah. So, so let's go. Red the pirate becoming red the 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 wench. Uh, the, the wench. Thank you. I was going to call her a hooker. But that didn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> the wench <laughs> becoming red the pirate. Did we? Did that f up Pirates of the Caribbean? Legitimately, did that f up Pirates of the Caribbean? No. Yeah. And I got to be honest. Uh, that's my favorite ride of all time. And I did. Right. I was one of the people originally who thought, oh no. Why are they changing this? It's already a shorter ride. Like, just keep my pirates the way it is. And I, I got to be honest, I like that scene more now than I did before. Right. Absolutely. She's a, she's awesome. And I, I love that like, redo. I, I think you guys are getting my point now. here. You guys are getting my point here. Did they F this up? I would say, except for Tim's love of the original Epcot, and my love of the original Epcot, because they definitely f up imagination. We all agree with that. 100%. But two-thirds of the time... They get this stuff right for a reason. They're the number one amusement company media conglomerate in the world for a reason. And I know, I know, I'm going to sound like a honk and a homer and a guy that runs a Disney podcast. I get it when I say this next statement. I understand that. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt until the ride's open. Tim, Maelstrom is a better experience now than it was as Maelstrom. Frozen Ever After is a better experience. For sure. Grand Fiesta Tour is a far superior experience to El Rio del Tiempo. It honest to God is. Why are we, and again, outside of the perceived wokeness of the change, why is this an issue? Haven't they done enough in the past to prove to us that, yeah, they can get things right when they want to? And as you both pointed out to me 10 minutes ago, this is the most iconic mountain in Magic Kingdom. I don't think they're going to shortchange this attraction. Hand to God, I don't think they're going to shortchange it. I, I, I just, I want to. I don't think they can. No, they can't. Yeah. All right. So good. So we got the did we F that up category. I'm very excited. We're going to try that one out later on, too. But for me, guys, let's talk about personal experiences. We talked an awful lot about the past, what it's going to be, how it's going to be. Bah, 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 boop, bah, bah. For me, and I touched on it in my opening, so I'll be quick with this one. Splash Mountain to me was the 
again, helping your theory more than mine, was the attraction at Magic Kingdom for me from the time I went on it, I want to say in 1997, my second trip, right up until 2018 when, we, when I took Zachary on it. That has been my go-to attraction. There's nothing that warms my heart more than knowing that Zachary, even though he won't remember it because he was fine, he, he's... He will remember it again based on Mandela Effect, which we've had that conversation before, too. He'll remember it because I tell him he'll remember it. And we have the picture of him freaking out. And I remember to this day, I was dragging him by the arm. Once you got to see the loading dock, because he didn't know where we were going. He didn't realize we were in line for Splash Mountain. I dragged, He was terrified of going on Splash Mountain. We got on, the log takes off. And other than the picture that, you know, on the the drop, the kid had the time of his life on that attraction. And that is something that if Disney closed tomorrow, I would have that experience with Zachary, which is more than any of the magic in Peter Pan's flight that I have that experience with Zachary. And there are times that Megan and myself have been on the stride, guy like you said, Dozens of times. Lost count how many times Megan and myself have been on this ride together. And it is one that we always, always, always must ride, had to ride. And we couldn't be more excited about the changes for this ride. But we have those core memories, to reference Inside Out, those core memories of what Splash Mountain was. And we look forward to what Splash Mountain is going to be as Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And Guy, I got to think you have similar experience with this. Yeah, so when I think of this ride, uh, the first thing I think about is uh, the first time I ever went on the ride, um, it was a trip that I went to Disney uh, with my dad and my brother. And when I think about that, um, you know, I've been thinking about Splash Mountain a lot lately. It's just like that that dynamic will never happen for me again. I'm never going to be at Disney with my dad and my brother ever again, even though obviously they're both still alive. It's just, you know, that time period of my life is over it'll never happen again um and then i just think about it's always just a funny story i think about too um it's just and it kind of explains like kind of who my dad is uh the first time we went on the ride um i had a hat on and he's like hey want to take your hat off because it's gonna fly off and it's just that kid energy like my dad's an idiot he doesn't know what he's talking about and my dad's the type of person who like only gives advice once so it's like, all right, you want to be an asshole? You don't want to listen to me? That's fine. Let's see what happens. And naturally, my hat went flying off. And and then uh, just to like kind of bust my boss, he's like, oh, just go ask one of the cast members, um, you know, to get your hat back. They'll be able to grab it for you. And then just the cast member, like, I don't care that this is a little kid in, in front of me. I'm going to make sure you know how stupid of a question it was to ask if you could get your hat back. Um, that thing is long gone forever. Um, so I just, I love that memory of it. And then similar experience to you, Bob. Um, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, why do you take your kids to Disney? Blah, 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 blah. They're not going to remember it. It's like, I got to take Sal on that ride and having him be afraid every time, you know, those little drops happen and just telling him like, hey, buddy, like a drop's coming, a drop's coming, a drop's coming. And then that final big drop comes and they're, you know, they're not scared, but I guess scared is the right word. And then just after it's over, just that that rush of excitement, that adrenaline rush. It's just amazing. And 
Um, you know, that's not going away now, but just to have that Splash Mountain memory and then the songs hitting after, it's just like, it's magic. Yeah, it's funny. I remember Zachary running off that ride, and we all know how long the exit queue is at Splash Mountain. It is a winding road to get back to the main park, and the look of pure unadulterated joy and bliss when he told his mother, Mom, I went on Splash Mountain! And then she went on and, and rode it by herself because he wouldn't go on it twice. He only went on it with me the one time. But I remember every hill, every hill, Zach, this is the big one! This is the big one! And he would be like, Dad, no, no, it doesn't seem like it. And it's like, all right, you got me that time. Tim, what about you? You, you were going back when this ride again kind of was in its heyday, so... Yeah, I mean, um, the first time I went on this ride, it was pretty soon after it opened. Uh, we were down there with my my whole family and my aunt, uncle, and their kids. Um, similar hat story. My my dad is is kind of an idiot. He didn't take his hat off, and uh, it flew off. Except unlike Guy's hat, my uncle, who's a bit of a prankster, shot his hand up and caught it, and then kept the hat in his. Uh, back pocket folded up for the rest of the day and gave it back to my dad at dinner and blew his mind. Uh, that's like a one in a million shot. But I, I was hooked from that moment. Uh, completely, no exaggeration, this is the ride that really made me a lifelong Disney Parks fan. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious for the show that there's certainly Disney movies I like, but I'm not as into that stuff as Bob or Guy, probably because I don't have kids. Uh, but Disney Parks is just absolutely my passion. There's no place in the world I'd rather be than at a Disney park. And this is really that trip shortly after it opened it is what did it for me, because just going on Splash Mountain, it's, it's what made something click in my kid brain that like, oh, uh, a, a theme park, a Disney park could be more than an amusement park, more than a Six Flags, more than a regional park. The ride is so long. It's like 15 minutes long and there's stuff going on throughout that is so immersive and cool and like just it, it changes the whole game. It, it, it made everybody in the industry step up and reevaluate like what a ride could be. And um, yeah, it, it just blew my mind. And basically, after after that big drop and 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 floating through the the outdoor portion to get to where you get off the ride, like that was like, man, this is this is always going to be it for me. Like these parks are going to be my happy place, where you know, no matter what else is going on in my life, no matter what else is going on in the world, like I could go to this place for two or three days, and and it's everything's going to be right in the world as long as I'm inside that berm down in Orlando, Florida, and. Um, I'm not sad to see it, though, though, because it is not the same ride it was back in 1993 when, when I was on it with my my whole extended family. It, it, it sucks now. It's falling apart. None of the animatronics work. The lights don't work. The sound doesn't work. And it, it smells bad. It, it, it's just miserable. And it once it gets transformed, it, it, it's going to give a whole new generation of people, hopefully, you know, you know, God willing, when Rachel and I have kids, you know, we'll be able to take them on Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And, and you know, they're they're going to come off of, of that after the drop and be like, yeah, this is this is it. This is this is why this is so much more special. That's this is why this is so much more important than a, a freaking Six Flags or a Bush Gardens, you know. So, yeah, I mean, this it's, is nothing but happy memories for me, but I'm not sad to see it go because it's 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 shit now compared to what it was. And, and, and even if it was in perfect shape, the fact that 
now the world is a wildly different place than it was 30 years ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, if, if it makes one person feel uncomfortable, it doesn't need to be there. And if it can be a wonderful, magical experience that doesn't alienate people, that's even better. Because everybody should be able to go on this and have that feeling that I had when I was six years old going on it for the first time. Yeah, I want to, before we go on to the future of, of Tiana's Bayou Adventure, I did miss one, did we F that up? And the answer is 100% they F that one up. Uh, did we F up when we moved Alien Encounter to Stitch's Great Escape? Yes, the answer is unequivocally, yes, they did F that one up. So maybe it brings the average down a little bit, but... My God, but, Alien Encounter is fantastic. I mean, not, not to relitigate <laughs> Alien Encounter, because that is my favorite attraction of all time. But unfortunately, oh, it just did not have a place in a Disney park. No, there was no target happen. audience for it. You really oh, should not have a fear a simulator that's not even a ride uh, in the middle of Tomorrowland to Love make it. unsuspecting 11-year-olds literally piss themselves and people have heart attacks and shit. That's fantastic. What a, what a great attraction. Anyway, so... Obviously, you've heard us wax poetic about this. Dare I say, Tim, the best lost attraction ever, maybe not Horizons, but the best lost attraction we've ever done here. We've kept it crisp. We've been clean. Let's go to the future, boys, because unequivocally, Princess and the Frog, for me, love the movie. I've already been on record. One of the best, if not the best of the last 20 years. Princess Tiana, the story they tell between her and her friend, Lonnie and the fought that movie is as close to perfect as you can get. The music is exceptional. And that's something we lose here. We do lose zippity doodah, which is something of a bit of a Disney anthem outside of, you know, when you wish upon a star. I mean, zippity doodah does handle quite a, quite a, does hold a place in the Disney pantheon of music. Um, how do you do? Uh, there's a lot of great. You're music. high if you don't think Zippity Doodah is still not going to still be in the Frontierland loop. It's off the loop. It's 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 off. It, it, it's oh off. my. Yeah, it off the loop. Yep, off the loop. But again, if it's going to be replaced with the music from Princess and the Frog, which is exceptional, it, I will tell you musically, Dr. John in the Lower 49 did some stuff on that. Randy Newman scored the film. It's beautiful. I can't wait to see how they incorporate that music into, into Frontierland. But guys, what do we expect from this attraction? Just a, a blue sky. What's going to be the story here? Tiana, obviously, it's after the movie. So no spoiler here. The movie's 20 years old. Dr. Facilier probably won't be around to be in this attraction which is a bummer. One of my favorite villains of all time. I, I love the character, but it's going to feature, you know, big Lou and the, you know, Lou and the firefly, the firefly five. So that'll be solid. It'll incorporate a lot of the same characters, not the same animatronics, but the same style of character because of the themes of princess and the frog. Are we expecting a continuing adventure of Tiana or is it going to be, for instance, here's a good example. Frozen very much tells the story of the sisters and Olaf and, and going to Coronation Day, where um, the Navi River journey is a very esoteric, slow-moving, um, immersive, but you're kind of playing a part. Are we going to be playing a part in this, or is it going to be kind of a visual ride where you're going to be watching the continuing adventure? What do we think? Um, I think it's going to be the continuing adventure. Um, I can't imagine that they don't at least um, have a treatment written for what a, you know, sequel to this movie would have been. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they have full scripts done just because when you're doing a movie like this, you're always kind of thinking sequelized. I'm sure they're going to just recycle whatever that main storyline is and put it into um, this ride. I imagine it's going to be completely different, completely separate from the movie. It's just going to be a new adventure that they're able to tell in that time frame, and they're going to work it around those drops. Um, what it's going to be, honestly, I have no idea. And I kind of love that. Like, this is one of those things where, um, and for me, it started with Galleon, excuse me, with Guardians, where it's just like, I don't want to know spoilers anymore. I want right. to go to the park. I want to be completely surprised. Um, I just know whatever they do, it's going to be great. Um, I'm just excited for it. And you know what? You know what Splash Mountain never had that I guarantee you was going to be outside of this ride? is a goddamn beignet car, and we're finally going to get beignets in the Magic Kingdom. And that's something that anyone can be happy about. So I want to go one step further. I've got this grand plan in my head, and I don't know if it's even feasible, that that Pooh's playful area and that ton of the random gift shop that uh, Splashdown gifts, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be against a little bit of uh, Tiana's Cafe. Now, no, you're not going to get Tiana's Palace like Disneyland is. I don't think the land is there. But a little bit of a Tiana's Cafe, maybe a... Something on par with what they're doing over in Toy Story Land, Tim. Something like that would print money for this company. And how it's not at Port Orleans already, where they have the empty restaurant in French Quarter. How that isn't Tiana's already, I have no idea. That's another conversation for another day. Just a point of clarification, Bob. Do do you mean like the the Woody's lunchbox, not the gigantic? gigantic family-style restaurant that's opening. We yeah, talked about no, a no, new, no, new no, no, Toy Story no, Land restaurant like in the small, news today. Like a small, quick-serve place where you get beignets, you can get New Orleans-style, you can maybe get gumbo. I don't know, get some gumbo. I don't know. It jambalaya, seems very, jambalaya or something. Jambalaya something. I, I just don't understand how that's... It would print money. And if one thing we know about Disney, or about Magic Kingdom, is they need all the food stains they can get in that park. So I think... Who knows what's coming? Tim, what's coming from your eyes? What is it going to be? I'm on the same page as Guy. This is certainly going to be a storytelling ride. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, some lip service paid to, like, we we the guests are trying to get to or from something. Right. Um, I don't think this is going to be a ride full of conflict because they've already kind of no. this actor right. after Dr. Facilier. I think we probably are just going to be kind of following along Tiana and the gang uh, as they, uh, you know, are on their way to accomplish something. And we kind of have some mishaps on the way. Uh, I fu- I already said it in the kind of the intro to the section. I f- believe this is going to be very much in the mold of Frozen Ever After. And what I'm looking forward to is just seeing some of those really good uh, fifth generation animatronics. I'm really hoping that they don't backslide to the internally projection mapped clear glass heads and they use the the ones like they have on the new snow right white ride at um disneyland or at beauty and the beast in tokyo where you know it's the the silicon fully articulated faces mm-hmm. and stuff and 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 we get to kind of have the 2024 2025 version of what splash mountain was when it opened this this marvel of animatronics um, I think there's going to be a lot more with motion graphic-y backdrops mm-hmm. than um, 
you know, it's not going to be a fully 3D richness sort of thing. That's just the fact of how they they do it now, that there's a lot more um, projection and and backdrops rather than a painted backdrop with several layers of stage dress scenery. But yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very, not a high concept ride. It's going to be A to B, you know, animatronics, show scenes, drops worked into whatever loose story mm-hmm. is around it, big drop at the end, and then big Bayou celebration at where the uh, the riverboat scene is. And uh, it's going to be a hit. It's going to be oh. the lightning lane for the park. It's going to have virtual queue. Say goodbye to that super long standby queue for probably three years at least after this thing opens. Uh, that's just the fact. That's that's the way life works now in Disney parks. Uh, but yeah, this yeah, that last day of Splash Mountain that lets you know that they're not <laughs> going to be able to do a regular queue for that line, like you said, for a long, long time. That was a nightmare. Even on a regular Splash Mountain day. I mean, I was there in July, this uh, July last year, and that Splash Mountain line, uh, if it goes over 100 minutes, there's guests waiting along, you know, out way outside the ride area being corralled by uh, cast members with signs. But you know what? I, I think this is only looking forward um, – they better keep their timeline. And I think they're going to because they cannot afford to have, uh, you know, sure. the former Splash Mountain closed for even a second too long, especially with all the hubbub around it, the number of people it eats and its overall popularity. But, yeah, I, I don't think this is a hard thing for them to do. And I, think I will tell you for off. me, I'll tell you for me, I am looking forward to the end scene when they end up in Mardi Gras, where they end up at a Mardi Gras celebration or whatever. And they're off to the side waving to the boats. I don't know if we're going to get it, but I would venture a guess that we get a subtle tip of the cap from at least Br'er Rabbit uh, in this ride at some point. I don't know if we get Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, all the other little critters, but I think you will get a tip of the cap from Br'er Rabbit at some point, probably in the the end scene, uh, whether it changes to something Mardi Gras related or stays on the zippity doodah, the zippity lady, uh, the, this big steamship. Who knows? Only time will tell, Tim. Yeah, I mean, to to that to that end, I, I don't think I don't think this is the end of Br'er Rabbit. Um, right. They literally just released uh, a T-shirt. Granted, it is very much in the the style that's popular now with kind of a very early 2000s, late 90s retro throwback. Mm-hmm. But one of the characters on this shirt that literally yep. is just coming out in the parks now is, is Br'er Rabbit. So and they've known for, you know. We've known for two and a half years this ride is going away. So right. that shirt certainly was not designed two and a half years ago. Uh, I, I think, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be back to selling Br'er Rabbit plushes in the park. No. Um, or, or any of that. But I don't think they're going to erase Br'er Rabbit from the the, the continuity of characters in uh, Walt Disney World. No, one of my all-time favorites, that Br'er Rabbit, but I look forward to seeing what Princess Tiana and the characters from Princess and the Frog bring to what I'm told is the most iconic mountain in Magic Kingdom. That is our show for this week. Um, If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns about Splash Mountain or anything else, please feel free to reach out to us at thedisneyguysuncensoredgmail.com. We are going to take next week off. Happy birthday to my son, Zachary, and we will see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to the Disney Guys Uncensored. I'm glad to be here and I'm sure gonna stay. I'm 